Hi, everybody. Tyler here. I'm happy to announce that RPGBot.net has been nominated for an any and Best Online Content for 2022. Winners are selected by an online vote from members of the community like you, so we need your help to take home the award. If we could ask you for a moment to vote for us and for other great creators in the Ennies, that would be a huge help. We'll have links in the show notes. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the RPGBot.news. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And Ash Eli. Hey, guys. And today we have two special guests with us. Emily, Director of Licensing with Roll20. Hi, I'm Emily. Uh, I am exactly as described the Director of Licensing at Roll20. I have been playing RPGs for about 10, 15 years, and uh, I freaking love all things games. Awesome. And we also have with us Kenton, Director of Product from Roll20. Hello. I've been playing uh, tabletop for like 10 years, and uh, that is just the surface of me. I contain multitudes. <laughs> There's multiple layers <laughs> on the tabletop. Like, you got the tabletop, and then you got... Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Hey, Tyler, what's happening today? Uh, well, we're going to talk to Emily and Kenton about what's going on with Roll20. They've got some... New, newly announced projects, some cool upcoming stuff, and we're going to check in, see what's new, what's coming next, just discuss the state of the world and the future. Awesome. All right. So I want to reach out to both of you. So, Emily, I heard you say, you know, closer to 15 years of tabletop gaming. Kent and I heard 10 years. Uh, yeah. What's your background? Where did you start? Did you start, you know, in the third edition days? Yeah, it's not, you know, Kenton, it's not a competition or anything, but uh, I would say I, I definitely started in third edition. Um, actually, it started out playing a lot of Pathfinder and adopted 3.5, fourth edition, fifth edition, and it wasn't until, um, it really wasn't until more recently, like in the, within the past five years that I kind of expanded into more indie tabletop role-playing games and really started to get more familiar with things outside of, um, you know, the most popular games. So it's been, uh, it's been really important to me in the past uh, five years of, of, especially my time within the industry, to familiarize myself with games that are telling a different story than the games that most people are familiar with. Okay, so that's awesome. I have to ask you two questions. One... Uh, when you talk about adopting, how far in the fourth edition did you go? Oh, baby. I went so far in the fourth edition, I had a level 20 character. Nice. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Cool Paragon paths, the whole <laughs> shebang. There's like 12 of you, and we found one. This is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a rare white elk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can find in northeast but, or northwest. I don't know, that's a whole different conversation. I'll, <laughs> I'll ask the question. You talk about uh, indie tabletop. So, what kind of indie tabletop are you playing right now? What's exciting you these days? So, right now, I'm planning this epically large Thirsty Sword Lesbians campaign um, with basically a full uh, group of uh, femme identifying and queer players um, and including elements of. Uh, things I'm going to send them in the mail because we all kind of live apart. And so we're going to be playing it on roll 20. And so it's, it's, it's a fully immersive campaign to kind of set up the world and the characters and everything. Oh, okay. I'm jealous. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty awesome. 
Okay, Kitten, not that you have to follow up. Like We're not doing any competition here, as Emily said. But, yeah, what's your background? <laughs> uh, so uh, I actually really got into tabletop role-playing games with Season 1 of Stranger Things. I'd had, like, two sessions when I was, like, seven years old and, uh, you know, caught this uh, cool show on Netflix. And we, my family and I binged it in a weekend, like, it was like two days and we just ordered takeout and watched the show. And I was like, I can play this game. Can't I? So, uh, did that and played with friends, um, adults, uh, guys that I worked with, that kind of thing, got really into it and then saw a job opening for uh roll 20. And that got me even further into it. So I, I had to learn a whole lot more about, uh, about tabletop role-playing games as I was doing my software job. Um, but, uh, now I think my my favorite game I, I just came from uh, a couple minutes ago a fifth edition game that is running with coworkers and friends and um, my son actually GMs now uh, so he he first got it introduced to it when he was eight years old now he's eighteen and GMing he has like four thousand hours on roll twenty and plays uh, constantly so it's become a family affair for all of us. That is a lot of hours on roll twenty at that age. It really is. I'm probably not a very good parent. I think. No, I, I think you're an awesome parent because there's a lot of things to learn from tabletop. And right, if, if folks are listening to the podcast, if they're listening to news, we've talked about the ways that you know folks can learn genuinely to communicate through tabletop, um, especially folks who want to branch out. They want to reach outside their comfort zone. They want to find a way to get to know their peers a bit better. You know, tabletop really offers something that there aren't a lot of other replacements for in the world. And so those 4,000 hours, I bet they're 4,000 hours well spent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 4,000 hours connected with friends who now live across the country and around the world. And uh, it's not something that I was able to do when I was a teenager, and I'm glad that he can do it uh, in 2022 and with uh, a, a dad at working at a cool place like World 20. <laughs> 100%. So I, I want to ask a line of questions. I'm going to lay them out now, and then we'll address them kind of one by one. Um, from each of you, I kind of want to get an idea, you know, I think folks at home probably, they're familiar with Roll20, they're familiar with virtual tabletops, VTTs in general, but in case somebody isn't, I want to lay out what is Roll20 doing, what is a VTT, and then to follow that up, I want to talk about, so Emily, uh, Director of Licensing, Kenton, Director of Product, what does this mean within a company, what are your daily roles like? So first, what is Roll20? Uh, so Roll20, as you said, is a virtual tabletop. Uh, within that, um, that really combines to to be like a suite of products, right? A suite of different tools that you can use in order to uh, play tabletop role-playing games or, or just tabletop games, really, from any distance, across any technological divide, across any physical divide, um, or even all in the same room around the same table uh, made easier. Um, that for Roll20, that means character sheets, which are automated. You can click on those to, to roll um, dice, which have results from random, generation, random number generation uh, using uh, quantum fluctuations in stars. Uh, that's how we come up with our random number generation. Um, <laughs> a map uh, with, with a grid that has, um, you can position images around that, so your tokens and... Um, the elements of the campaign can be right there, bring, bringing it uh, visually to life. You can put your uh, elements together, the graphics, and uh, start whispering to each other to set up a, an epic uh, turnabout of events that uh, surprises your GM and other players. 
and voice and video chat too. So, so you can be around the world and still communicate um, and see the facial expressions of your, your friends and players as you're, as you're playing. Yeah. And the thing is everything Kenton is describing is just inherently in the virtual tabletop. You can create a free account, you jump right in and all of those features are available to you, including over 800 free character sheets um, and the blank VTT ready for you to dive in, start creating, start setting up your game and inviting your players. Now, as director of licensing, I oversee a portion of Roll20 called the Roll20 Marketplace. So on the Roll20 Marketplace, we actually work with a huge number of publishers and creators to bring pre-set up content into Roll20. So for example, every game that we've just talked about, D&D 5e, uh, you know, Thirsty Sword Lesbians, everyone's game that they're super into or that they started out with, probably has something on the Roll20 Marketplace. So if I'm playing 5e, for example, and I want to set up my players in the latest modular adventure, I can purchase it right off the Roll20 Marketplace and then load it straight into the VTT so all the maps are laid out with dynamic lighting set up to make the game more immersive, all the tokens set up on the maps, all of the content from the book laid out into handouts that I, as the DM, can share with my players. Uh, macros built out so everyone can roll really quickly. Um, any random generated tables from the book are fully set up. All Basically, all those little features, things that could take you hours and hours and hours to dive and pick apart the book and pull into the VTT, is set up masterfully, ready for you to go, ready for you to dive right in. And, you know, D&D 5e is just, you know, the the surface of what we've got. The marketplace features a huge diverse plethora of content um, that really reflects kind of what I was describing before. You know, my personal passion in TTRPGs is um, discovering, you know, indie creators or, you know, playing a game that's from a creator whose voice is totally different from mine, learning something, learning about a new experience or getting insight into something new through a different creator's voice. And over the past two years or so, we've really brought in a huge amount of indie creators, indie publishers, um, and uh, there's been a big initiative at Roll20 to support uh, every TTRPG possible from big, huge releases like the Marvel uh, TTRPG Playtest, um, Power Rangers, Dune, Cyberpunk Red, like big, big titles to the indie titles like uh, like Thirsty Sword Lesbians we were just describing, like Alien, like, um, oh man, there's so many, uh, Companion's Tale, uh, Fiasco. So imagine your entire shelf of games made into a digital bookshelf that you can just pull right into the virtual tabletop, have it ready to play with your friends. That's basically my job, which is pretty cool. I get to work with all those publishers, all those creators. Um, I get to teach them about Roll20 if they aren't familiar with it, which is honestly pretty rare these days. And yeah. um, basically work with them to get their games and their content into the Roll20 marketplace so that it's available for all of our 10 million users. And I do think that's the amazing thing about Roll20 is that Everything that you need in a virtual tabletop is there. So it's a matter of basically, can you get the resources you need? If you need images, if you need these sorts of things, can we build the dice structure that you need? Um, but ultimately, I can bring my game to Roll20. And I think that's really awesome. So I'll say, Emily, like you kind of described what it means to be the director of licensing. Kenton, I want to come back to you. What does it mean to be the director of product? Uh, I'm going to answer that question um, in reverse. Uh, what does it mean to be a product manager? Uh, 
product manager is a person in a software company usually who um, does user research, does um, analysis and, and um, planning in order to figure out what a, a product team needs to build or create next. So um, a product director or a director of product is the person who manages product managers, I guess. This sounds incredibly boring as I'm saying it out loud. Yeah, it's turtles, actually a lot of So product managers get to uh, do surveys. We talk, we do user interviews. We talk to users. Um, we work hand in hand with the user or user experience designers who are the people who design the interfaces to make sure that they're as uh, frictionless and efficient as possible and uh, create new features for um, our user base to use. And, and I'll say, like, from my experience working with product managers, the best product managers that you work with are people who are sincerely the voice of the customer. Mm -hmm. Folks who are in tune with what folks out there using the product want, folks in the space need. And a lot of times these product managers will perceive like, hey, I hear you saying that you know, you really wish we supported more dice content. Well, what it actually comes down to is you wish the API was better or you wish it was faster. You wish it was easier to integrate with and can take that to developers and ultimately get a solution delivered as quickly as possible. Absolutely. I like to say that uh, product managers are, are best when they're storytellers. And so it, it overlaps a lot with a, a PM is basically a DM for a, a, a team who's building software. Maybe I'm hungry, but I was just about, I was thinking, you know, Kenton and his team is the table, the plate, the fork knife, the glass, and the decor. And then my team is the menu and puts the food on the plate. That sounds delicious. That yeah. No, yeah. I think I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you said you were hungry, I was worried you were saying you wanted to eat the product manager team. So that's better. <laughs> they're, Look, too, they're too sweet to eat <laughs> a good meal. That's a great Futurama <laughs> reference, right? <laughs> why, does the, not, why does not the larger one simply eat the smaller one? That would... <laughs> so, awesome. So let's jump into what's new with Roll20. Um, dark mode. That's it. Thanks for coming, yeah. everybody. Great episode. <laughs> oh, dark mode. Um, you know, well, first of all, we um, dark mode is one um, element of uh, a, a much bigger initiative that we've we've had at Roll Twenty for a long time. Actually, um, there is a uh, there is a, a corner of the Roll Twenty website that that is the suggestions and ideas section, and that is one of the first places that I dove into as the first product hire at Roll Twenty, the first product manager at Roll Twenty. I was. Uh, reading through that and looking at every post and um, trying to understand, uh, you know, not just what people were saying, but what they were meaning and what they felt behind those words. And dark mode has been at the top of uh, the suggestions and ideas section for a very long time. Um, it has also been uh, two words that struck fear within the hearts of uh, hearts of our development team. Um, there's a lot of interfaces. There's a lot of pieces to roll 20 and um, roll 20 is also a community um, built platform, right? It, it is, truly is the platform in the sense that like most of those character sheets that Emily mentioned, that, that 800 number, uh, less than 25 of them actually are Roll20 creations. Most of them are community creations. The, um, I mean, wow, that, yeah. I, I wanna highlight that. So over 800 different types of character sheets that we can generate through Roll20. Mm -hmm. And of that, 
25 of them were generated by Roll20 staff. The rest of them generated by the community Correct. using the Roll20 API? Uh, it, it's the Roll20 character sheet system, but I think we're splitting hairs okay. kind of at this point. The, the Roll20 API is is uh, distinct and individual or separate from those from the character sheets, okay. but they work together. Uh, understood. But yeah, yeah, so the Roll20 character sheet system ultimately enabled that. Like That's a huge amount of flexibility that takes a lot of thought and design going into to allow folks to create that. I think that's yeah. really awesome. Yeah, it is really awesome. It's also, uh, it, 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 exempt, uh, it increases the complexity of anything we do by an exponential amount for sure. So um, it's a lot to think about. I'm really glad that dark mode is out there on the VTT. Um, I can say that uh, dark mode on the rest of the site is actually in testing right now. We have a couple other um, iterations beyond uh, where we are that we need to get to before we can release it publicly, but that is coming very soon. And part of the uh, our, our initiative, as I was saying earlier, the, the big initiative is to reduce um, the number of the top 10 suggestions to it, not reduce, but moving those into the closed, the achieved status uh, pretty significantly. So five out of the top 10 is our goal in 2022. No, it's, uh, that's pretty admirable. Thanks. We. Do we get to know what else is in the top ten? Yes. Um, you can you can look at the top ten is public. Um, you you can look and see what oh. the top ten. Uh, the five um, I can't say all of them yet, but dark mode is for sure one of them. Uh, one way lighting was another one of them. So uh, dynamic lighting can have lines that block uh, light and vision from one direction, but you can see through and cast light from the other um, direction. And let's see if I can remember off the top of my head the others I should have done my homework and prepared. Uh, but no, those are the <laughs> two that you get. To be honest, Kenton's team has been positively killing it lately. Like all of our uh, team, like our, our developers have been putting in amazing work, making all of these suggestions come to life. And especially within the past uh, like six or seven months, there's just been such an agility from our uh, internal teams at Roll20 getting these improvements out there, it's having a ripple effect across everything that we're doing within Roll20 because, you know, for a while there, like throughout the the pandemic, obviously Roll20 was, uh, had the fortune of being a place where people could come together. And we saw so many more people come to the site in that time. Uh, circumstances being what they are, we like to focus on the fact that, that at the very least, we could provide people a place to play their games together. But because of that, you know, wild surge of players, for so much time, our focus has been on making sure we could serve the community that we had and making sure that the people that were playing their games on our website could, we, we were keeping the lights running for them, right? We were trying to really bring in more content for them to play, and that was a big focus while simultaneously supporting some of our most popular features like dynamic lighting. And now we've really had the space and the growth to pull in all these new initiatives and to, to finally check off some of these big user suggestions. And it's just been, I mean, I'm speaking from the side of things over at Roll20 that has no, I, I, developers are magic. I like legitimately <laughs> don't know how they do what they do. So I'm speaking from the, the side of like, ooh, pretty pictures and fun content. That's like what I'm here for. <laughs> and I just like salute their, the team uh, on Kenton's side of Roll20 that is getting all of this done because frankly, it's because of their hard work that we're able to keep expanding content on Roll20 as well because um, honestly, one of our biggest announcements that we've had recently that I'm really excited to talk about, but I don't know if it's the 
time to talk about it, is uh, largely in part due to Kenton's uh, work and the, the work of his teams that has enabled us to support content in ways that we've never been able to before. I want to say that Emily said what developers do is magic, and the RPG folks just glowed immediately. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I agree. I think your team has really been killing it lately. Um, uh, I remember a few years back when I was first doing Roll20, I was a bit frustrated because there was limiting features and stuff. Like, I wish it's like this or this or that. And then pretty quickly, like, like you said, in COVID, uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, it seemed like the amount of updates and quality of life improvements that you guys put out was increased like 100%. Yeah. Especially when it comes to dynamic lighting. I love dynamic lighting. Thank you for colored lights, by the way. <laughs> I love those so much. <laughs> yeah, I, I thank you so much. Uh, I mean, and Emily, thank you too. That I, I would love to take credit for it, but really I just... Uh, I just point out what should be done. The developers actually do the do. So um, I'll, I'll uh, yeah, Corey is the one who made uh, colored lights work. And uh, there's lots of other people who made lots of other stuff work too. <laughs> uh, and at the, you know, at the same time, I'd say uh, the number of games that you could play increased by like tenfold over that same time. So uh, licensing and content team uh, killing it at the same time. I'm not going to leave that compliment sitting on the table. Oh, thanks. <laughs> So, so let's actually hop into that, right? We've seen the announcements recently. There's integration happening with DMs Guild. Additional systems are coming to the platform. Uh, what does this look like? And for the average listener sitting at home, what is this going to mean for them on Roll20? Yeah, so, I mean, we've been alluding to this so far, but it's a, it's a great time for content on Roll20 and on the Roll20 marketplace. In the past two years, we have tripled the amount of official licenses that we support on the marketplace, and that's that has been, you know, a huge amount of work for our teams to get those systems supported, both in terms of character sheets, but also in terms of that fully integrated VTT experience. So if you have been following along at home, you've probably seen that there, uh, there are a lot more titles available on the marketplace than there were just two years ago. Um, a lot more options to play, a lot more variety. Uh, so we're trying to really make sure that there's something for everyone who comes to Roll20 and, and you feel like your gaming experience is represented in all aspects of Roll20. One of my favorite tenets of Roll20 and one of our biggest values of the platform is that we are system agnostic. You should be able to come to Roll20 and play whatever bakes your cookies, right? So there's that's, that's one of the reasons why the variety of systems is so important. We also have a huge creator community on Roll20, which I don't think it's talked about enough, but in addition to the official licensed partners that we work with, like Wizards of the Coast, like Chaosium, um, Paizo, et cetera, there are, um, oh man, I should probably have the number off the top of my head, but I, I think we're at 600 now, mm -hmm. creators who basically fill the marketplace with all kinds of goodies like um, hand-drawn maps, specialty tokens, uh, 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 written adventures that are fully built into the VTT to supplement the official content, uh, token markers, just, just a huge variety of accessories that you can pull into your game. And the creator community is so robust and has grown so quickly over the past couple of years. And our creator community doesn't just make things for Roll20, right? There is a huge, uh, not a huge, but there is a significant crossover between folks who create things for Roll20 and folks who have Patreons or who sell content on Itch or who sell original content on DMs Guild or other drive-through RPG markets. 
So um, to that end, there's so much opportunity to really open the gates and, and let those creators not only bring more content to players through the Roll20 marketplace, but also to invite those creators who aren't already on Roll20 to come and have an even wider audience for the things that they're creating. Now, essentially, the DM Skill partnership is that we are we have uh, collaborated with One Bookshelf Drive Through RPG, which you know uh, runs uh, DMs Guild, to partner with them so that they their creators who create official or, or sorry who create D and D content using um, official licensed D and D you know names creatures etc. Just in case anyone's in, in case not everyone is an expert on the OGL <laughs> SRT. Um, and I want to ask you a question. So. Yeah, I'm assuming not everybody has it memorized like I do. <laughs> so, um, that being said, uh, those those creators will now be able to make supplemental products or fully convert their products into the Roll20 BTT, just like how we do for the official 5e products, so that folks purchasing them on DMs Guild will have will be able to unlock. Roll20 versions of that content. It's something that users have been asking for for years. Creators have been asking for for years. And just like Kenton said, we're in the game right now of really trying to um, make good on a lot of those those suggestions and make good on a lot of those requests and really serve the, the communities as best as we can. So, I mean, quite frankly, and I, I do not say this lightly, the DMs Guild partnership, the announcement was one of the crowning moments of my career. Like it's something that I'm incredibly excited about. It's something I've wanted for years and to see it all come together and, and to see Roll20, to see our users light up, to see people like clamoring on social media, like, holy cow, this is huge. It's so exciting to see how excited everybody else is. And I think it's just, just one sign of what's to come because we're not done. <laughs> So I want to talk through this for maybe the person at home who doesn't understand the intricacies of this. Yes. So you're an expert, and it, it, it makes perfect sense to you, but let's lay it out kind of line by line. Um, so D&D 5e has the SRD, the System Reference Document, mm -hmm. and from that, you're able to do anything that you want to. Yes. But the problem is the System Reference Document doesn't uh, cover the content that came out with Tasha's. It doesn't cover any of the adventure books that are coming out. It doesn't cover you know, really hardly the player's handbook, the DMG, the monster manual. And so beyond that, if you wanted to rely on monsters from the monster manual, not in the SRD, if you want to rely on player classes or subclasses from the player's handbook that aren't in the SRD, uh, to now, or, you know, continuing on, the, the only thing that you could do if you wanted to publish that material was publish on DMs Guild. Yeah, we had Matt Whippy on. Matt Whippy talked about Doom Forgotten Realms, which is an awesome adventure. Like, it's super exciting. We were really cool to hear it. Uh, running through, like, hey, have you played this adventure? What if you lost? Have you played this adventure? What if you lost? The problem is, if I then wanted to take that to a VTT like Roll20, I couldn't. It wasn't available to me. But now with this partnership, now there's a path for somebody publishing that content on DMs Guild to bring it into Roll20 and to sell it to you to where you can have an integrated VTT experience on top of this content based on D&D 5e content that we're all very familiar with. So one minor correction in that. You could bring it, you, the individual, could buy that content and do the conversion yourself. 
Um, I think on on a normal uh, a normal adventure, uh, and normal is relative, right? But like your average adventure, that might take you between uh, sixty and hundred hours to do it in the same quality and level that you can buy it from the Roll Twenty Marketplace. What what this unlocks on on that level there is this incredible um, immersive and engaging uh, conversion to digital content is can be done for you and you can purchase that for honestly peanuts uh, compared to the amount of time that it would take uh, but yeah that's that's exactly what would happen um, you'd be able to play any of those licensed uh, intellectual property uh, the the um, fun uh, monsters you can uh, throw those into your party to fight with the the great um, classes and subclasses that you want to have on your table at the same time I'm a DM skilled creator I've I have published a couple things on DMs Guild, um, and yeah, the DMs Guild license is very specific. If you publish on DMs Guild, that's it. You can't publish anywhere else. So, like, just the legal freedom to then bring your stuff to Roll Twenty is huge. Uh, but from a from a buyer's perspective, from someone who's going on DMs Guild looking for cool stuff to play with, how does this work in a practical sense? Like, if I let's say I find an adventure that I want to play. And it has whatever for roll 20 in that adventure. How does that work for me? The uh, mechanics of actually purchasing that adventure um, are going to be nearly identical. You'll go to DMs Guild. You'll buy from DMs Guild. Um, you'll be thrilled with that experience. Uh, on, the, on the back half of that is actually where uh, changes are happening. And most of those aren't going to be things that you'll have to worry about, right? Uh, DMs Guild is going to communicate with roll 20, and we're going to integrate that software so that the content um, will be unlocked in your Roll20 account, just like an adventure that you purchase on the Roll20 marketplace. And then you'll be able to create that from an add-on or module, bring that into your game and, and present it to your players on the virtual tabletop with Roll20. So for the user, it's going to be a very seamless experience um, with a lot of familiar um, aspects. We're not adding a whole bunch of uh, new um, user experiences. Sorry, I'm using... Uh, ridiculous uh, industry words here. It's not going to be a whole bunch of new interfaces or, or clicks that you're going to have to make uh, to move things over or download a file and then re-upload it somewhere else. It, it's just available to you in the same way that other adventures are. So this is an exciting announcement for consumers that are coming in. What are some of the first products that have come over from DMs Guild that folks can go grab right now? So it's a little too early to grab anything yet. We made the announcement. We wanted to um, let the communities know so everyone could start preparing. So meanwhile, Kenton and his team, this is kind of what I was referring to before when I was saying that like their work is what makes this possible because they're figuring out what is that integration going to look like and how do we make the best user experience? I have been personally working with the team at DMs Guild to connect with their creators and some of their most popular products to make sure that as soon as we're ready to launch, those products are ready to go with Roll20 conversions so that the community has some of their favorite stuff at their fingertips. That's awesome. And then what is the best way for folks to discover as these things become available so that they can find them as they come out? So I would say, first of all, and, and foremost, make sure that you're part of the, the uh, you've signed up for the newsletter, the Roll20 email newsletter. That, um, the emails that come out of that are so amazing and packed with information that uh, I learn things as an employee. Uh, and that's, that is literally not a joke. That is very serious, even if it is funny. Um, Second, you know, so well, links in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, the uh, <laughs> the social media, um, you know, Roll Twenty app has a lot of a uh, lot of good information on Twitter, and um, you know, Instagram Roll Twenty app uh, has a lot of that good information too. 
uh, if you've got those three things going for you, I don't think you'll ever miss anything that comes uh, out on the marketplace. Okay, that's awesome. Definitely social media is a, is a key place to keep your eye on, particularly for marketplace and content-related announcements. But I agree with Kenton. I think once this is ready to go, you can't miss it. We're going to be shouting this from the mountaintops. All right. So uh, I'm classic user move here, but uh, you've announced a cool feature that I like, and I'm already going to ask you for another <laughs> one. Um, so one bookshelf has... They have DMs Guild, they have Drive-Thru RPG for most RPGs, and then they have Pathfinder Infinite for um, community Pathfinder creations. Um, are integrations with both just main Drive-Thru RPG and with Pathfinder Infinite, are those in the works? So what I will say, at the, the, the thing I love to say as licensing director is NDAs are my best friend. Um, <laughs> that being said, I, you know... I, I've harped on it a bit, even just in this interview. One of my biggest passions is really expanding the variety of content on Roll20. Uh, so I would say nothing is impossible. We're looking to serve the community as best as we can. And that's all I can say right now. Okay, so I hear your NDA speech. I, w I wish you would agree to disclose. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that from a technical perspective, there's really no difference between DMs Guild and those others. All right, so everybody else will. make it happen. That's really what we're saying. <laughs> yeah, I actually, that is a really good point. If there is, if you are a member of one of these communities and it is important to you to have the, the content and the features on Roll20, it can't hurt to give a little ping via social media or how your discords or whatever to let folks know because, you know, the tabletop role-playing game industry is actually really small. It, it's a fairly small industry and we're all humans behind it. Like the folks at your favorite favorite publisher are all humans who are probably looking at those Discord messages or seeing those social media posts. And we're talking about that. Um, that's That sounds wild, but it, it's genuinely true. The amount of conversations that I've had that were spurred from a tweet that I or the partner saw and it started a whole new project uh, is not zero, you know? So <laughs> your voice can be heard is what I'm going to say. So I, I think that's a good point. And even taking like the requests that we hear from customers, the complaints that we hear from the folks who are using the product day in and day out. We've spent a lot of time right now talking about content, talking about licensing, bringing the things that we want to do on a daily basis in. Uh, that being said, there's a lot of technology that's backing what Roll20 delivers to us every day. You know, how many users do you have on a daily basis? Oh, a whole lot. Those aren't those aren't numbers that are public, but what we do share. <laughs> a good good try there. I saw what you did. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We we announced uh, just a few months ago that we we have our 10 millionth user on on Roll Twenty. Uh, so we're over 10 wow. million users on Roll Twenty. Um, it's pretty amazing. That's no, awesome. I mean, so that that is extreme, and I I bring that up to then say you're spending a lot of time just making sure the technology runs smoothly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and we've actually talked about uh, that in the first half of the year. Um, we had a, a, a project start uh, towards the end of 2021 um, that we dubbed uh, Project Firebolt. And the point of that Project Firebolt was really just to get the systems that existed working in the most efficient way possible. Um, we uh, started looking and, and doing research into where friction was happening um, and Honestly, about three months of work went into just building 
systems that measured systems. Uh, again, this sounds really boring, but it's actually exciting. The uh, everybody who works in technology oh, is sitting at home just nodding at like, uh-huh. yeah, no, uh-huh. yeah, 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 metrics on metrics. Uh-huh. I want to measure Almost my metrics. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and we've had some interesting uh, releases um, recently, uh, specifically. Dice and the dice results. We were able to speed speed those up by a few um, few milliseconds each roll, and um, that doesn't sound like much, but it adds up over time for sure. Um, it gave us a better look into the three D dice system uh, and and what we needed to do to make that as uh, performant as possible. And um, another thing that's that's coming out soon, um, if not uh, today, I think later this week, we're we're updating our voice and video chat systems in order to make the handoffs between those things happen a whole lot faster. And there's a lot a lot more. These are these are like foundational pieces that are going to result in um, something pretty significant coming soon. So there's even more coming that I can't talk about, and I'm trying to remember which pieces I can and can't. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Well, we don't want okay. to get you in trouble at work. No, that's okay. Yeah. I'm always in trouble. Okay, a second ago, you said a really cool phrase, Operation Firebolt. Yeah. And I want to talk about that. W- what is that? So Operation Firebolt is an initiative that we um, worked on uh, throughout the first half of this year, and we've we've delivered quite a few things. Um, most of those you're really not going to be able to see, but the ones that we're most proud of, we make sure that we publish on the blog. Um, first of all, is our on-demand character data loading. And we also did this with pages, but both of those things together increased our um, our game loading speed uh, significantly. Uh, 50% reduction in game load times um, and uh, more than like 90% of games loaded, 95%, there it is, 95% of games loaded 50% faster which is a whole lot of percentages, but basically less time waiting to game. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, I'm, I'll say so. I work tangential to services, and like that's an amazing improvement. Uh, Tyler, I feel like you're pretty close to this. How does it make you feel? Uh, I'm I'm a software developer at my day job, and this this sounds really really nice. And like I read all the technical jargon in the post, I'm like, yeah, nice, well done, yeah. big win, way to take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm I'm super excited about the improved load load times. Um, I'm sure everyone who's used Roll Twenty has had like, oh, I accidentally clicked away, or like I hit back and went to the menu and clicked on my game, and now I've got to go back in and load everything. And my my DM has put like a five million by five million map into the tabletop, so it's going to load slow as heck. Like, I, I'm glad this is faster. All you need to do to see how amazing this is, if you've played a gigantic module, like if you've ever played Rhyme of the Frost Maiden on Roll20 before, for example, and you loaded it in the before times and you load it now, the uh, the difference of those amazing high-quality maps built out with layers of dynamic lighting, uh, you know, huge, huge pages in the VTT that load like that. Whereas before, you know, it was a little bit of a, so let's recap last session while we wait for this <laughs> to engage. Could so. you describe it as glacial? Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was okay. bad. No, but I'm going to say it is impressive to me that Emily did her homework and knew that Tyler and I were playing in a Rhyme of the Frostmaiden game on Roll20 right now. Yeah. <laughs> 
We actually gave so you a bunch of nat 20s. We, we just loaded them into your game before we started the fight. Okay, no, that, sir, that is a lie. I have no <laughs> That's true. That, oh, is, and, that is a lie. That is a staff-only perk to roll all natural 20. <laughs> okay, um, after the podcast, stay tuned. Let's talk about pseudo-random number generators. <laughs> As I said, we measure quantum fluctuations in starlight to bring you random number generation. And that makes me very sad, but we'll, we'll do that in a little bit. <laughs> Randall is actually a scientist. <laughs> Sometimes he says these things, and we all just have to take him in and be like, sure, we buddy. think we know what that mm -hmm. meant. Mm -hmm. yes. so it's, it's, it's very awesome, but also, um, <laughs> all I'm saying is my numbers are really bad. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, they can't beat me. I'm, I have the worst luck. So. <laughs> buddy. Yeah. You want you want to roll off? You got three. What, what? You got three. You got, oh, four. I, mean, oh, I got two. The, the one session we played together was a bad example. I was literally hitting it every single time, which I've never done before in my life. <laughs> That's what he said live, though. It's like, oh no, I've, this has never happened before. <laughs> yep. So there's a lot of things that are coming out on Roll Twenty that are improving the experience on Roll Twenty every day as we engage. But what does the future look like? What are the exciting things that folks will be looking forward to? Where can they follow these exciting uh, additions to the platform? One of the best places to follow what's going on is the Roll20 blog. We, we put almost everything up on the Roll20 blog, um, and that's a, that's a good uh, summary. If you want to get more granular, uh, weekly, uh, we put out a, an announcement, basically, in, in the Roll20 forums where we highlight the week's releases. And every week we have between, you know, uh, bet between two and five releases typically that actually come out, whether we're talking about character sheets or, um, you know, completely new systems on, on the Roll20 um, Roll virtual tabletop. And then if you want to get really granular, we have release notes that you can find uh, and read through every time that there's a release and, and see what's coming out that then. Coming soon, uh, we have um, a lot of really cool things happening within the dynamic lighting space. Uh, that has been a feature, um, one of our most popular features. And as Emily said earlier, it, it's one of the most immersive features. And it really helps uh, GMs do more uh, and work less at the same time. Um, so we're, we're excited to bring, you know, as I mentioned earlier, one-way dynamic lighting lines. Uh, but coming soon, we have transparent lines that are going to be part of the uh, Roll20 dynamic lighting system and doors and windows are a part of that as well. Very exciting. In terms of content, I think, uh, you know, like I said before, following social media is always a good way to see what's coming out, but there is so much coming to the Roll20 marketplace at all times that, I mean, we can't possibly highlight every single bit of it on social media. It would just be, it would drown itself out. <laughs> so I would say, you know, a lot of creators and publishers also self-promote what they're up to on Roll20. So if you're following any Roll20 related hashtags, then you're likely to see it. Checking out the marketplace section of our forums is a great way to see what's just come to the marketplace too. I know for my part, whenever we have a major licensing release, I like to jump in there and let folks know, but the creators will always get in there and self-promote as well. And we have been really We've been really diversifying how we promote content in the past couple of months. We've been featuring publishers for monthly discounts, sales. We've been having our first ever sales events on the marketplace as well. So if you have never picked up something to pull into your Roll20 games, now is absolutely the time to do it. I mean, 
give you a few examples. We just recently dropped the price of a ton of D&D products by um, anywhere from 30 to 40%, depending on the product. So now, now you can get them for lower prices than you've ever been able to get them on Roll20 before. We are working with our friends over at Kobold Press this month, and uh, they have many items on sale uh, for the first time ever on Roll20, including a mega bundle that I helped them release that is like the best deal I think you can get of anything on Roll20. It's like $250 worth of content for under $50 right now. And it's Go on. Oh, yeah. It's really <laughs> a great way to build out your bookshelf of if you if you have a couple of uh, Cobalt Press products, but you want to kind of complete your collection, you can grab some of their most popular titles. It's 12 different books, all for just $49.99. Um, and really build out your collection. Okay, wait. Can I get uh, uh, Tome of East? Oh. <laughs> Are there really so many products in the bundle that you have to look up to see what's in the bundle? Okay, that's adorable. That's, that like is a problem you want to have. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to play this game. Like, I'm going to start guessing Cobalt Press books. I want to see how long I can go. <laughs> I think that's good pod. Dan, Hell I love yeah. you, and I'm sorry. Yeah, this uh, this episode's gonna be a bit of a mess, Dan. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Dan's a champion. He is. Can I get a Tome of Beasts one? Tome of Beasts is not in the bundle, but there are a lot of other really exciting titles like the uh, Underworld Layers, Empire of the Ghouls collection, Tome of Tiberish, Tome Tomb of Mercy, Shadows of the Dust Queen, Book of Layers. So um, they just released. Uh, Tome of Heroes to the marketplace as well. Like, it's a really exciting time for Cobalt Press fans on Roll Twenty, and this month we are really rolling out the red carpet for them to feature a lot of their products. We've even released a free product for our subscribers in our Roll Twenty Reserve program, so you can pick up a free, uh, never before seen on Roll Twenty adventure from the folks at Cobalt Press. And we also have a free pack of pregens written by Cobalt Press available for literally everyone. You literally go to Roll20 right now, grab it for free, only for the month of July. Which, okay, Cobalt Press produces awesome content, so go take advantage of that 100%. Empire of the Ghouls, I'm super excited, but anyway. And one of the really exciting features that we were able to release earlier in the year is dynamic bundling, which means that if you own one of the products that, on, on Roll20, but you want to buy this gigantic bundle, we discount the price for what you already own. So you don't have to buy things twice, you, you just get access to it uh, right there easily dynamically that's awesome yeah so i want to ask uh there are roll 20 was uh has been the king of uh virtual tabletops for a long time but you're no longer alone in the space there's now a lot of different uh vtts that are coming out uh or are out that are offering some new ideas what is roll 20's plan to stay competitive so i think it's kind of a um let's say misconception that Roll20 has been like uh, alone or the king in the space. Uh, Roll20 was like the second or third virtual tabletop that actually ever came out back in uh, 2012 when it was, when it was released. Um, and, you know, map tools uh, was the, was the king, I guess at that time. And they're still around. Um, I think that uh, from the perspective of there, whatever you bake your cookies, uh, to steal Emily's phrase, um, there are a lot of different software tools out there, and uh, the ones that work well for you work well for you. Um, we build Roll20 to be the 
easiest to use. We want it to um, be browser-based so that you didn't have to download software. We want it to be online, and uh, we wanted to maintain the infrastructure so that you didn't have to set anything up. Uh, we wanted to have a marketplace with um, these modules and add-ons that are ready to play so that you didn't have to learn the entire system in order to start playing with your friends. Uh, we're going to keep doing that, and, and we're going to build on those systems, and we're going to make more um, engaging and immersive aspects to the virtual tabletop uh, with you know um, more efficient systems the entire time. Yeah, and to that end, you know, Roll20 doesn't have exclusive contracts with our creators or publishers. We never want to you know, limit a creator or publisher so that they feel that they can't sell their products in other marketplaces. Um, it's, it's really about supporting their growth and, and getting their game out and into players' hands. So while absolutely we want to be everyone's favorite place to play the game, we want to really use all those tools that Kenton is describing, all those features to create the best possible experience for you and the game that you want to play. Um, we recognize that there are other ways out there to play it. There's other marketplaces that have similar games to what we have on Roll20. Um, we want to provide our Roll20 users with the best experience possible, and we want to keep producing content that shows people how great it is to play games on Roll20. Awesome. Well, Emily, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's been my pleasure to be here. Um, you know, we mentioned the Roll20 social, so everybody make sure you go follow us on Roll20 app. So at Roll20 app, A-P-P. Um, and if you want to see uh, more of what I am doing, I try to keep some of the more exciting licensing announcements on my social media as well. So you can find me on all the socials at Emily the Spoon, like what you eat ice cream with. I'm really into dessert, if you can't tell. So. <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome, and I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Kitten, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, this was a good time. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, if you know, We already plugged the Roll20 socials. Uh, you can find me personally um, reading Twitter mostly and uh, retweeting something I find funny every once in a while at Kenton H, K-E-N-T-O-N-H. Awesome, and we will have links in the show notes if you want to follow Roll20 or Emily or Kenton, you'll be able to find that immediately. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast and rate us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners. You'll find links in the show notes. You'll find affiliate links for sourcebooks and other materials linked in the show notes, as well as on rpgbot.net. Following these links helps us to make the show happen every week. Okay, I have to ask the question. So the the quantum fluctuations in Starlight, like why not just go with a pseudo-random number generator? Like the Mersenne Twister has been around for forever. Like, so yeah. they, they did, uh, and I wasn't here when they did this. Um, so I, I wasn't actually part of the decision, but I asked a very similar question. I was like, math.random is good enough. Uh, you know, we, we, <laughs> you know um, <clears throat> the reason why is because when they were building out the system initially, uh, they had enough people complain loudly enough that they were like, we've got to do something here. And um, they looked for the most random, uh, like, true noise that they could actually get to and and built off that. Um, I wish they would have done, and, and honestly, it's actually more random. Um, we um, There is a page uh, 
that the design needs to be updated on horribly, and it only uh, shows a sample. But it shows the distribution of rolls over the past, um, I think, 24 hours uh, on on roll 20. And I think it, I found that. Yeah, yeah. it used mm-hmm. to be all rolls, um, and then we, you know, 2020 happened, and we had to add more roll servers, <laughs> and so we couldn't, uh, we we didn't add the rest of them. So it's just a sample of the the rolls there, but. Um, you know, it's a great distribution, uh, better than if you were to roll physical die. So that's what we do. 